Hi, and welcome to episode 332 of No Crying in Baseball. That, eh, it's a slow news week episode. <laughs> my name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. How oh are you, God. Potty Mouth? That's hysterical. Like, if, if I'd been under a rock and took that seriously, I'd be thinking, you know, yeah, oh, nothing's going on in that cold, hot stove. But Yeah, we got a couple been... of things to talk about that, um, as Potty Mouth pointed out when we were doing our prep work, because yes, we Holy do some shit. prep work, was thank God these announcements happened before we recorded, because boy, would we be sad. Although, you know, we could get bit in the butt and Yamamoto could be announced tomorrow. You know what? That's okay. <laughs> That'll keep. All right. That'll keep to next week. Oh, my gosh. So um, how are you? I am tired. <laughs> I'm yeah. really, really tired. I think actually last week I mentioned that I was going to a rock concert with uh, – because I was talking about Colombian guys next week that I was going to a rock concert from a, a band from Colombia. So I did that last night. So I'm a little bit incoherent today because we did get back very late and then hung out after we got back because my co- cousin was visiting and I hadn't seen him in a long time. So I'm a little loopy, but I was loopy last week and I, I, you know, I got reasons. through it. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I totally recommend everybody listen to Atercio Palados. They're a lot, a lot of fun. Nice. Um, well, this doesn't bode well because I'm also sleepy because yeah. I had my first <laughs> oh, no. week at a new job this past oh. week. And so after dinner on Friday, I sat down for just a minute and I closed my eyes for just a minute and I woke up four hours later. <laughs> so uh, that w- that meant midnight. Yeah. So my sleep cycle's a little bit off, but we're going to power through. And the thing that's going to help us power through is this oh, yes. delicious, weird, brunchy beer, even though we're recording at the normal time, yeah. you know, dinner time on Sunday, that you brought back from Tennessee. Yes. What is it called? Caribbean? Caribbean Sunset Swirl. And it looks like a mango smoothie. It does. And it does include mango and passion fruit. And apparently cheesecake. <laughs> that part, I don't get. Like, I don't I don't pick the cheesecake in here. I, I It definitely has that creamy kind of, um, when you when they use lactose, right? Like a milkshake beer. Uh-huh. But I don't pick up the cheesecake part. It is, and that might be okay. That's probably good. It's probably for the best. But it, but the, the downside, the, the up and downside <laughs> at the same time is that it does not taste like it has any alcohol in it. And we've read the can. It does, in fact, have alcohol. So we're going to try to pace ourselves because, wow, just give me a straw and a like a little umbrella and I would be right out in the sunshine with this one. Well, and it's also our backup beer. So we don't have any backup to backup beer right now. So we got to make this last. If only we knew how to acquire more. Right, right. I don't know. Mr. Potty Mouth is elbows deep in oil, frying luckies out no, there. No, I walked happy in the house, Hanukkah. yeah, and it, it, it smelled like fried, which is my favorite time of year to walk into yes. your house. So happy Hanukkah. Yeah, so Hanukkah, where, where we celebrate the miracle of you cook in oil and the scent lasts for eight days in your house. Like what that's... I like about it is the scent lasts for eight days in Potty Mouth's house. Right. <laughs> and I can come and eat delicious, delicious fried potatoes. Yeah, so fried. And then leave. We tried the air fryer for Lucky's on Friday night. Oh, no. It did not work. Yeah, there are some things Mm-mm. and there are other things. Right. This is an other thing. Yeah. This one you, you want to throw in a pan and, yeah. Right. It, it might have been even sacrilegious because the oil is the thing. Like, I mean, there, there was a little bit of oil on it, but not like the, oil, you know, the intense yeah, oil. No. No, I'm glad that you recovered from that moment of madness. And so I get the, the, the seriously fried things for dinner tonight. Yay. Sounds good. Thank you for welcoming me into the uh, the holiday celebration. On today's show, we've got the hot stove featuring some names you may recognize. We've got boyfriends from the Kansas City Royals and the Washington Nationals. We have Winter Ball featuring some Acuna drama and some All-Stars versus All-Stars action. We've got a follow-up on women's baseball in Uganda. We've got the draft lottery featuring ping pong balls. And are the O's for sale? Cheers. Are we going to start a collection? Is that a new Patreon? 
can we well, buy the O's? <laughs> well, we work, we'd be competing against a billionaire, ah, so shit. I don't know that if we're just breaking even right now on Patreon, I don't know if we can really up that in time to become a, even a part owner of the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, we're in the double yeah, I don't digits. trust you in ownership with the <laughs> Orioles. That's true. You have a conflict of interest. Yeah. yeah, no, no, I should not be involved in that. I'd be definitely. a super good owner for the Orioles, but I don't you know. I love you, but I don't trust you <laughs> when it's a team that competes with, with your team. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely an issue. Wow, so um, Hot Stove had the news we've all been Sizzle. waiting for, which, of course, Potty Mouth called. Um, Woohoo. A home for an Otani. The home for an Otani is, in fact, the Los Angeles Dodgers with a breathtaking or sucking of all the breath from my body, $700 million over 10 years. That's a heck of a contract. I can't even comprehend. My response was, is this monopoly money? I don't understand yeah. money this big. Me the either. previous record by his former teammate, Mike Trout, was $426.5 million over 12 years. <sighs> this is just like, a, okay, it's not an order of magnitude, but it's a bunch. It is it's, crazy. It's a bunch, bunch more. So... The Washington Post played with the numbers a little bit and said, okay, let's just do simple right. math on it. Right. So let's say that he's getting paid $35 million as a pitcher and also $35 million as a hitter every year. Yeah. You know what? That's still a lot because there's only four <laughs> players, only four hitters that are earning that much as, oh, really? as hitters. And that's Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, Carlos Correa, and Anthony Rendon, who hardly ever plays anymore because he keeps getting hurt. Only six wow. pitchers have had that much as an annual salary. Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Jacob deGrom, Garrett Cole, and Steven Strasburg, you know, who may or may not still be right. a pitcher. And Otani's not even going to pitch next season, right? Because right. he's recovering <laughs> That's the amazing part. Tommy John. So the Washington Post, bless their hearts, says they're actually paying him to be an icon. Yeah. Right? They're just like, okay, he's the marquee guy. We've got him. Don't you wish you were either him or had him on your team, but... Yeah, it's amazing that two of those players, right, Rendon and Trout, are both on the Angels that, you know, where Otani used to be and that they have not been doing well, you know, in these past few years. Because so, they're like, the only ones. Yeah. They're the, they're the only ones. But the Angels ones. are shelling out, were, were shelling out money. So I'm going to talk or to you in a minute still, about how still. it's not really $70 million a year, but if okay. it was $70 million annually, that alone for Shelly Otani would be more than the opening day payrolls of the Baltimore Orioles as a whole which was $60.9 million this wow. past year, and the Oakland A's, which was $56.9 million last season. That's for one guy. Interesting. There are what's being called, quote, unprecedented deferrals mm -hmm. for this contract, which means a boatload of that money is actually going to happen many years from now. So he's going to be paid until he's 432 years old. I don't have the details on what percentage or what dollar figure Interesting. in the out years. But what this means is he'll get that money eventually. How Do you really need $700 million now? Right. Or could you, would you be happy with, I don't know, 10 now? And then, you know, the rest over the course of your lifetime or the lifetime of your great-great-grandchildren. But what this means for the Dodgers is that frees up mm -hmm. immediate payroll to spend on other players. Right. So whether that's, you know, doing multi-year contracts for guys that they've got or acquiring new players, they have money to play with now, even though they've committed this total amount to mm -hmm. Otani. They're not paying that total amount to Otani for many years from now. Well, you know, I think uh, Bobby Bonilla will be happy that they'll no longer be talking about Bobby Bonilla Day. You know, that every, mm. every year when the Mets are still paying him, they talk about that. So it's going to be... 
Shohei Otani Day is going to outdo Bobby Bonilla Day after way after Shohei has stopped. And also playing. the whole Bonilla Day thing is like, eh, Bobby right. Bonilla as opposed to, oh my God, Shohei Otani is like you know is an icon, right? Right. So we kind of get that in theory, but maybe not seven hundred yeah. million dollars. But okay. But my point in all of this is not having to move because he's staying in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. That's priceless. Oh, that is huge. That is huge. And actually, so the reason why I called him going to the Dodgers because I just read that that book about him. And when he came for, and I don't, I don't know if I said this on the podcast before, but when he came for his first rounds of, of interviews for where to go in the very mm-hmm. beginning, he took, the Dodgers were on like the top list. And then afterwards, his excuse or whatever, his agent's reasoning for him not going to the Dodgers was because at that time, Dodgers didn't have a DH, right? So he would not have been playing as much as he would at that time in an American League team. And there's a quote from Clayton Kershaw in the book where he was pissed off because he's like, why did we all waste our time? Because when when Otani at that time visited a team, it was like everybody whining and dining him and everybody comes out. And, you know, like with the Angels, they had Mike Trout call him. Um, so Kershaw was pissed off. But what I'm thinking is he maybe did it at that time, like looking at the long run, like knew he liked the area. Mm. He clearly was interested in the Dodgers at that time, interested enough to make them on the short list. So that's why I felt like, okay, this time around, they're getting bumped up a little bit to the, you know, and, top you know, of the list. So A, he has said, I want to play for a team that's going to win. Mm-hmm. Because why wouldn't you? Right. And B, what they haven't said was, I hate unpacking boxes yeah. more than anything. <laughs> right? But that's probably real. Yeah, and his dog is probably like all comfortable where they are. He's used, used to the regular walk every day. Yeah. Sure. It all sounds good. Hey, until the Shahani thing, the, the Shohei Otani thing, that's Shohani. Listen, <laughs> I, I shipped him with himself. The the Otani thing. Wow. It may, can I blame it on the cheesecake beer? I don't think such a really beer. just started it, but I'm going to be blaming things on this cheesecake beer for a day and a half, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, until the Shohei mm-hmm. Otani news, the big news this week was your previous once and forever boyfriend, not yet replaced, but bound to be replaced. Oh, yeah. Juan Soto getting traded to the New York Yankees. This happened on Wednesday. So it's Juan Soto and Trent Grisham. Got also traded, a former boyfriend also of mine. Also a bo- former boyfriend of yours. Traded for four pitchers and a catcher. Lots and lots of bodies. And a partridge in the marriage. Right? Right. And he's going to be a free agent after the 2024 season. Jeez. So interestingly, so the talk about looking forward to his free agency, right. you know, of course he's represented by Scott Boris, who it has been rumored was looking for like a $400 million payout. Now I'm wondering, now granted, Otani's is for, you know, he's the two-way player. So they're, you could say they're paying for like two players in this, but he really upped the game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what this is going to mean for Soto next year. But uh, so remember that $400 million as your baseline because I think it's going to be more than that. We'll see how he does, though. Like, we'll, And we'll see how he does in the New York market. This is a very different market for him. He wanted to cut his hair. He's already got short hair. All right, well. But there's going to have to juggle the outfield to accommodate both Soto and Aaron Judge. Well, and also, now they have Alex Verdugo. Thank God. Thank, <laughs> Thank God. God. I can focus my vitriol. Yes. Yeah, I am just, like, that was definitely has been the low point of me rooting for the Red Sox the past couple of years with Alex Verdugo because of his previous accusations of being involved in a, in a sexual assault case way back when, when he was in the minors. But it was just enough... Plus his just attitude in general to make me feel 
just yucky about having him on the Red oh, Sox. I was but him go being with Icky and he went with Yucky. Okay, perfect. Okay. <laughs> but now he's in the Yankees. But the funny thing is, and I'm wondering how this is gonna go, is he's he has uh, um in, in exchanges with Yankees fans went as particularly when he was playing at Yankee Stadium. He gets a lot of shit for I mean everybody gets a lot of shit from the fans in the outfield, but he was giving it back. So I think he kind of enjoyed it. And but I'm wondering like how that's gonna switch now that he's one of them and how the Red Sox fans it's it'll be interesting. We'll react to him. But he has to shave. Like he's gonna look goofy. Oh he really is because he's got a lot going on that's gonna change. Yeah. No, he's gonna look like he's twelve, I think, when he shaves. Do you think that's gonna change? Do you think they're gonna like finally wise up and say this it's is a ridiculous rule? A fucking ridiculous thing. I don't know. Anyway, all right. It, yeah. We uh, we Talk always about... go down to this rabbit hole because it's <laughs> right. yeah. Talk about focusing vitriol. Let's just blame the Yankees for everything. Uh, but well, it oh, is their policy. <laughs> I mean, that's a legitimate one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, so other moves this week. Uh, Eric Fetty, who we wanted to love when he was on the Nationals, but he just did not do well here. So I, I looked back into it, and he was actually a first round draft pick for the Nationals back in 2014. I think it was like 18th overall. But he just struggled. He just had a really hard time over five years with the Nationals from 2017 to 22. His overall ERA was a 5-4-1. Yikes. But he was just picked up by the White Sox for a two-year $15 million deal. So why? He had a spectacular year after being let go by the Nationals. He went over the KBO. He played with the Dinos, who were my choice because who doesn't love a dinosaur of a team to support in Korea? And he raked, and we and and we did talk about this like at various points. I, I did mention in episode I think two eighty five was the episode where I mentioned him going over, and then we checked in on him, and he was doing really well, and he ended up getting MVP for the season. He went twenty and six with a two point zero zero ERA, two hundred and nine strikeouts with thirty five walks, over a hundred and one third innings. He did well and and kbo is super high level so then there's the question of how high is it is it been talked about as being comparable to triple a is it a little more than triple a is it enough that he's going to be able to make the transition and uh pitch well for the white Sox? but the white Sox uh scouts said that they saw the right signs and they're willing to take a gamble uh just a side note i didn't realize that he's from vegas and he went to high school with bryce harper they played on the same team sure in high school Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. Hey, last week we talked about just how many Knicks that, in particular, <laughs> I talk about. So I have to quickly mention, since also it's National's Day for us, that uh, Nick Senzel, who I picked in 2020 as my Reds boyfriend, just got picked up by the Nationals for a one-year, $2 million contract. So Nick's on the move. Chess games. We talked last week during cross-training about, mm. uh, you know, we talked in the, in the context of the NBA what it's like mm-hmm. to kind of get uprooted and move and move and move. Well, hopefully people don't act too quickly because, for instance, for instance, my former Seattle boyfriend, Evan White, who admittedly has not been doing well. He's been injured. He's been sent down to the minors. Mm-hmm. He's not having a great couple of years. And also my other previous Seattle boyfriend, Jared Kelnick, plus pitcher Marco Gonzalez got got traded to Atlanta. Right on December third, and I thought, why would you send Evan White, mm-hmm. first baseman, to Atlanta when you have Matt Frickin' Olson? Right? right, you don't need you, you. I'm sure you have backup yeah. for Matt Olson. You don't need Evan White. Well, Evan White arrives, and by the seventh, four days later, he's already gone through waivers and been outrighted at AAA. 
So he's been downgraded, okay, to AAA, which is actually, I think, where he was with Seattle. The next day, huh. he got flipped to the aforementioned Los Angeles Angels. With oh. um, in, in a deal that brought um, Max Stassi and David Fletcher, your former boyfriend, yeah. to Atlanta. Really? So I don't know. It's like, did, did they just see him and say, hmm, he's like a trade bargaining yeah. ship that we can just keep moving. So can you imagine if he made a single plan? Thank God it was the <laughs> off season because right. you know, that's like three moves, yeah. right? Because you know, their AAA is like, I think it's Willamette or someplace. So it's Seattle to Atlanta to AAA for the Atlanta team and then all the way back to the West Coast. Which is a much easier move for him, really. So I'm hoping he was just at the stage where he was looking on Craigslist and he just had to shift the the name of the town, you know, looking for that apartment. You just change it a couple times. And, you know, Otani is not freeing up his space, so he's not going to be helpful. So him leaving the Angels is not going to help, but maybe Max or David is leaving a place that might be nice for Evan. Wow, the Angels have got to do a lot of redecorating because actually I saw right away that they have one of those big-ass things like we had for Max Scherzer. Oh, yeah. And they are taking it they're already painting it over yeah so there were articles about how um <laughs> Jap- uh, uh, the, the whole country of japan is celebrating this mm. big news about oh. otani which really didn't say anything other than people are buying extra copies of the newspaper that announces it <laughs> and that that angels fans are mourning the loss which is basically you know dropping you know roses on you know the thing in front of the stadium where the angels play it's not huge really but boy there were a lot of things that people wanted to write about and yeah. really I was much more I mean I'm floored by that whole thing but I was much more interested in things like really you're moving Evan White like four different times in, in a week <laughs> right it's juggling it's juggling so those are some boyfriends that are that are moving around but now we have new boyfriends yep all right, so we do have some new boyfriends. So we've been throwing the boyfriend name around a lot, especially that forever boyfriend versus current boyfriend kind of thing. So these are the guys that we're picking in the off season where we are now. One guy per team, each of us, because there's something cool about them, something we like uh, beyond the field. Ideally, they're good on the field as well because we use them to make our fantasy teams at the end of the season. There's one guy we can hold over every year. My you know, current guy that I held over for, I don't know, the past two years or least, uh, something yeah, like that a while. Was, was Juan Soto. But I cannot have a forever baseball boyfriend as a Yankee. It just, it just doesn't make sense. So I've got to start looking. And I am also grateful that the Yankees did that now because they could have screwed me up by waiting to the end of the season where I would have less opportunity to make a forever baseball boyfriend mm. pick. So I guess I'm thankful to the Yankees for something. So here's my question. Are you going to look at your boyfriends from the 2023 season and see who you want to keep. Yeah, that's what I got to do. do. That's what I got to do. Because that's, yeah, that's what I got. Do we have to keep one? Like if I don't find anybody that I want to keep? Well, this is what I'm wondering. And then, I mean, I don't think you have to. Okay. Actually, I can think of one that I might want to keep. All right. All right. Okay, good. I'm going to be strategic about this, but I bet I'm going to keep somebody. It is not going to be Juan Soto. So, but here we go with new guys. We work our way up from teams with the worst – Records from last year to teams with the best. And so we are on week two, so we are still toward the bottom of the barrel, so to speak. This week we have the Kansas City Royals and our beloved Washington Nationals, who we have seen climb the ladder before, and I believe they can do it again. And we'll see what happens. I also was looking for a theme. So last week I had two Diaz's. I talked about Jordan Diaz from uh, Oakland and Elias Diaz from the Rockies. And this week, I found another parallel of two guys with the same last name. Did you look for that? Or no. Or did you find guys like, oh, this is perfect because it, it fits a thing? Yeah. So 
interesting. It, it kind of related to, I became aware of this last season when we watched both of these teams. So, so I'll kind of get to that. But I had this like little in the back of my head, like, oh, this is weirdly coincidental with the Royals and the Nationals. Um, just as far as the Garcia thing, just want to point out that in 22, I had three Garcias the same year. Sure. Larry, Larry, um, from the White Sox, Larry Garcia, Arolis from the Rangers, and Avisail Garcia from Miami. So, so I had three. So, you know, I just have two right now. Who knows? There might be. Actually, I don't think there is another Garcia. Now that I think about it. Um, so Kansas City Royals. I ended up with Michael Garcia, third base shortstop, 23 years old. And the reason why I remember him so well is because we, <laughs> when we went to Fenway Park, do you remember this? I Last do. year, August 9th, it was Jerry Garcia Day, and we got these spectacular tie-dye jerseys that said Garcia on it. And I remember when we go into the stadium and every, like, there's this sea of tie-dye Garcias. It was actually a pretty amazing sight. And I look at the lineup and I notice there's a Garcia on the Royals on the other team. And I was like, oh, man, this is so weird. Like, how can we have – there's no Garcia actually on the Red Sox. There's a Garcia on the other team. And all these fans are wearing Garcia jerseys. It was a little bit confusing. So I just remembered him from that moment and thought, you know, I'll look into him. And he turns out to be a super interesting dude. So young, right? Cousins with Alcides Escobar and – Ronald Acuna Jr. No so way. first of all, I didn't know that Alcides Escobar and Ronald Acuna Jr. were related. That I don't apparent. think I did either because we've talked about Escobar for yeah, sure before. I, yeah, I think we picked him way back I when. Think we did, yeah. I mean, he hasn't been playing in MLB for a little bit, but he I think we're old enough or experienced enough that I think he was on one of our picks. Because yeah, we talked about his um, his Little League team that he brought to the oh. to Nationals games. What a good guy. So it turns out, so this family actually... Interesting family. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about it um, later when we get to international baseball. But they they are all from the same hometown, La Sabana in, um, in Venezuela. And they have a family softball game. So we're talking Alcides Escobar, Ronald Acuna, Michael Garcia, and various other relatives who are involved in, in baseball have a family softball game every year on December 30th. And everybody comes to watch. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> So can you imagine like living in this in this little town and seeing this family softball game and just like going to watch? <laughs> Where do they play this? Like, I I think it's like their local park. Like I think I it's it. yeah. What a cool thing. So Cetus was on the 2015 Royals World Series team. I didn't re- remember or realize this in Game One of that World Series, he hit a leadoff inside the park home run. Like, holy shit. Can you imagine that? Like, starting the World Series, lead off inside the park home run. I had to watch it, like, several times on YouTube. It was super cool. So he had sort of, like, a bug in the, the Royals' ear at that point to recruit, you know, his cousin Garcia, who signed in 2016 at age 16, which is another weird, like, cosmic numerology thing that we were talking about last week. Because last week, Jordan Diaz signed... At age 16 in 2016. It's like this 16 thing. I think I got to play the lottery. I need to do multiples of 16 or something like that. Okay. Right? I, yes, absolutely. You're going to be and talking then, about the ping pong balls later. And then, and, then, <laughs> and then you can take me on vacation because I right. am not playing the lottery, but I will happily, you know, take advantage of your winnings. 16 is clearly the magic number. All right. So he was signed at, at, in 16. He didn't make it up to MLB level into, until 2022 where he played just nine games like filling in here and there. 
But notably, and this is another like repeat from last week, his first three hits were against the Yankees in one game. And the first one was off of Garrett Cole. So huge uh, respect there. He currently, as in right now, is playing in the Venezuelan League with the Tiburones de Guajira with his cousin, Rondo Zacuna. So they're playing together on that team. And there has been stuff going on that I will talk about in our international sec- section. So in, um, in 2023, he was brought up at the beginning of the May when your former boyfriend from last year, Nikki Lopez, another Nikki, had appendicitis. And, but he made such an impression when he came up that Fran Mel Reyes, my, I think, um, yeah, former pick. from He's been like with six teams yeah, in like I think three years, it feels like. Cleveland, maybe? maybe? I think so. Um, he was DFA'd to make room. And, and he's an outfielder, and Michael Garcia is an infielder, so they just shuffled things around, but they needed room on the roster. So he was DFA'd to make room for it. And he had a super solid rookie year. He was actually in a lot of rookie of their conversations, but you know... It was a year for rookies, like, you know, the, the rookies who won the Rookie of the Year, like, above and beyond, and then the second-place rookies, like Josh Jung, uh, another third-base baseman, actually was very comparable in a lot of things. Uh, Michael Garcia had better defensive stats than Jung did, but and more steals, too, like, a lot more steals. But Young had the shiny home runs, like, mm-hmm. the stuff that, you know, caught his attention, but sure. he didn't get it anyway because then there's Corbin Carroll. So it was it was a big rookie year. Like there are a lot of highly achieving rookies, shall we say? Right? Indeed, indeed. So, I do you want to say who you who you disregarded because this is important for who I picked. Okay, so the first guy I disregarded. So when I was when I was picking for the Royals, I actually just went back and like reflected on our experience at Fenway Park watching the Royals and who did I remember from that game. MJ Melendez was a pain in the ass on that game uh-huh. because he got, I think it was two home runs. We'll talk more about that. So, so that was painful. So I remembered him. And I, at that moment, I thought, I think I'm going to pick him. Um, and then I th- thought of Kyle Isbell because we saw the, um, the, the hit. And I don't remember if it was a double or a triple, but the one that got stuck in the light mm-hmm. on, later too. on the green monster. Uh-huh. So I thought of both of them. And then I found an article that listed all the royals that did not go to Toronto because they didn't vaccinate. And there were a bunch of them. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to stay away sure. from that list. So I picked somebody else. So the two guys I was choosing from were MJ Melendez and Kyle Isbell exactly <laughs> because of going to that game That's and hysterical. seeing that thing yep. that never happens. So I'm saying, okay, That's very funny. well, the CDC is downgrading <laughs> vaccines, which is not at all like me, but I, I do have a lot to like about about MJ Melendez. Yeah. And only part of it is his QR, because he's got the QR thing. He's fun. Like, he's I'm excited to hear fun. about him. He's super yeah. fun. Yeah. Okay, so he's He's 25. He's sometimes listed as a catcher and sometimes listed as a right fielder. We catcher. Saw him, we saw him playing left field. Yeah. So, right, right, right in front of us. Right. So there's a, there was a lot going on there. So he was born in Daytona Beach, Florida. His dad, okay, so his real name, his full name is Merville S. Melendez Jr. So Merville. They, Merville. So they call him Merv. His, his teammates call him wow. Merv as opposed to MJ, which I'm finding fascinating. I like <laughs> MJ a lot better. Um, but his dad, when you read articles about, that mentions both of them, his dad is the one who gets referred to as Merville. I've referred, referring to him as Senior and Merv senior. MJ or Junior. But anyway, so his dad, Senior, was head coach 
for three different collegiate programs over 22 years. Wow. Right. He played for Bethune-Cookman, and then he was the head coach for Bethune-Cookman. He also played for Alabama State and also Florida International. So D1, wow. D1 coach, right? Big schools. Big schools, right? So in 2016, MJ committed to Florida International. This was before his dad was selected as head coach, which happened in 2017. But by then, huh. MJ had been drafted by Kansas City and has de- and decided to just to, to go right into the major leagues. Sure. He was drafted as a catcher and has since played f- at least four huh. different positions plus DH, I think, in, in the major leagues. His parents were both born in Puerto Rico which meant that MJ was eligible and so then did play for Puerto Rico in Mm. the World Baseball Classic, which is super fun. In 2017, right, when his dad is moving to this head coach position and MJ is getting drafted, the two of them held a baseball camp to raise money for the boys and girls clubs of Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. Wow. So they've got the one of those nice things is you have a family history where the, you know, the elders are teaching the youngers, Mm -hmm. right? This is how we use our platforms. Yeah. Right. It's important. And he did not, MJ never lived in Puerto Rico. Obviously, he's visited plenty, but he never lived there. But he he feels that it's important to his family's history. He supports the people who do live there. He did, in fact, refer to it as a country at one point. So eh, who doesn't, right? (laughs) Right. Sure. Lots of people. Except for us. So he has had a weird up and down, like extreme on his offense. Huh. In 2019, he was the worst hitter in single A. Oof. The worst hitter. He refers to that season as the craziest, toughest, weirdest I've ever felt <laughs> at the plate. And he told his dad, it feels wrong, it feels wrong, it feels wrong. And he worked with his dad for a while to try to fix what this thing was. And his dad, who's a coach, and I think his dad being a coach as opposed to just a player may have been really helpful here because th- the mindset is different. Right. Mm-hmm. The mindset is, how do I help my players? Right. And he said every player is going to struggle and those struggles may last longer than others. How they handle that is how quickly they'll get over the bad times. That's what sets the tone. So he's worked with his dad. He actually worked with Salvi Perez because the whole catcher thing yeah. to try to like you know get better on all aspects of things. But then the Royals made a big change. The Royals had a huge change in their hitting development department, their hitting coaches. Okay. And they changed their outlook, their strategy, their how are we going to help our guys be better. And the bottom line is we're here to help guide you down the right path. It's not here's what you're doing wrong and here's how you need to fix it. It's let's talk to you. Mm-hmm. What you know, what do you need? What do you think needs to be improved? And that really that kind of approach, as well as working with his dad, who was like the only person he trusted at this point, yeah. really kind of helped him come around. And actually, the 2020 shutdown of the minor leagues worked in his favor because he was at the alternate site and he was able to focus on the things that he was learning in a more controlled environment. I mean, it's bad for so many players who didn't get to play and didn't get paid and all that stuff, but um, that extra time really helped him. Then the Royals hired Mike Tozar for their heading development team. And he said that, and, and he was based in Miami, which is down the street from where the Melendezes live. So he said they sat together and and Tozar showed him a game film of his own at-bats, of of MJ's at-bats, and had him look at it as a catcher and said, okay, you as a catcher, look at this guy 
Could you pitch to oh. him? And that was a whole different outlook. It was That's like, oh, cool. I can see where the weaknesses are. I can... And so he had him working on seeing the ball mm-hmm. more than where are you putting your hands? Where are you putting your feet? And all that. And that really made a big change. He said, can you pitch to that guy? Yeah, okay. Now it's time to get to work. And Tozar has said, the biggest problem is guys say, what am I doing wrong? And then what you're doing wrong is the actual thinking about what you're doing wrong. Yeah. Right? You can't get out of your own head. Yeah. Right. In 2021, when everything started up again for the minor leagues, MJ had the second highest home run total in the minors. Wow. He went from the worst hitter to a second best home run hitter. That's because amazing. of all of these changes that got made. Right. So he debuted um, in May of 2022. And at that time, more than half of his starts were at catcher. But they were still trying him out at both the corners Mm -hmm. in the outfield and also a little bit of DH time. And he said, I just do whatever I can to help the team win. If that means me being in the outfield or behind the plate, just doing whatever it is I have to do at that point in time. So 2023 had another downturn, right? He started below the Mendoza line and it took him till May to get over 200. He adjusted his stance and they moved him to the outfield for most of the time. So he spent a little bit more right field than left field. We, it, was, it was a fluke that we saw him in left field, but way more than half the time he was in the outfield, a little bit of time as catcher, and once as a first baseman. Hmm. So they figured if we do this, mm-hmm. you have less responsibility, right? The catcher is in charge of the game, right? The outfielder yeah. is not. The outfielder is responsive to what happens. The catcher is in charge of what happens, right? So they kind of wanted to free him up to help his offense, right? His pre-All-Star on-base percentage, pre-All-Star break mm-hmm. in 2023, his on-base percentage was 289. His post-All-Star break on-base percentage was 352. His OPS before the All-Star break, 622. His after the All-Star break OPS was 827. Much better. Right? So yeah. he fixed it. He said, some days it's harder than others. It really depends on what's piling up to it. There are days where I go over five and I'm really mm. calm and thinking it's baseball, it's baseball. Right. And there are times when you go over and it's like, man, this is tough and it beats you up. So it depends on the day. Some days I take it a lot better than others. Sure. The game that Potty Mouth referenced when we saw Kansas City play at Fenway, he had a two home run night. Look at my brain cells working. Mm-hmm. I remembered. I'm so... <laughs> His first two at bats were shit. home runs, including the first one was... His, a career best 454 foot homer. The second one hit off the very top of the Green Monster, and they had an umpire review. I remember. It bounced that, back, yeah. but it bounced back having gone over and hitting a railing, yep. but it cleared the wall. So that ended up being a home run. And then the broken light. Right, mm-hmm. that that you referenced, and I remember he came out right after that and yep. played left field, and he's like sticking his hand in the yep. broken light to say, "Oh my God, this is incredible!" And we're like yelling at him, "Don't put your hand right. in there!" But yeah. I, I like that he was kind of in awe of this whole situation because I think we were too. So I was pretty excited about that. And I will turn a blind eye to the vaccination thing, hoping he's recovered since then and just think about all the good things about him and hope they outweigh that. I totally remember you doing like the full mom on the broken light because Masataka actually (gasps) did reach in and pull it out. And you're like, no, No, stop that. (laughs) But it was so cool. Yeah. It was so cool to see, which is why I almost picked, you know, the spell because of that. But like, okay, no, I... No, yeah. this is, he is he is really fascinating, and at that moment, I was very intrigued by him, but maybe not for the right reasons. <laughs> or, I don't know. I was a little resentful yet intrigued. So I'm gonna just carry on the theme. Uh, National League, I'm, Wash- I'm resentful by it, no. intrigue. 
<laughs> no, the, 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 the name the theme and the, and the connections to the games that we saw, right? So oh, the connections okay. that we, the games that we saw last summer. So um, the Nationals, so soon after, I'm picking Luis Garcia, second base, another 23-year-old guy. Um, and soon after we did our Fenway trip, we came back and the Red Sox, you know, came here to Nuts Park, which was an exciting thing. And we went with a whole bunch of friends. And I remember, you know, it's always very purposeful what you wear, especially when I'm seeing the Red Sox here in Nats territory. So I knew I had to wear a Red Sox shirt. We had just gotten our shiny new Garcia shirts, but I knew there was a Garcia on the Nats. And I was like, that's just, it just didn't feel right. And I really wanted to wear my cool tie-dyed Red Sox jersey, but it said Garcia, and yet again, there was a Garcia on the other team. So See, I, figured, I can't wear it because it says Red Sox. Oh, there's right. <laughs> you got to be real specific. Real specific. Yeah, it is pretty cool, though. So also, looking up Luis Garcia, you know, when we pick our names and we start you know, Googling stuff, holy shit. So first of all, there's the Astros cha-cha pitcher, you know, the rock the baby cha-cha guy. Uh-huh. That's Luis Garcia. There's also another former Padres, now free agent pitcher, Luis Garcia. There were several more. I think it was like seven total that we had been We thought Nikki's were hard, but yes. there's actually specific Luis Garcias. Yeah. There are so many. Yeah. yeah. And there's like over 40 that have played in the minors. Like it's a really hard name to Google with baseball. But I did get some information about him. He was born in New York City, actually, but he moved back to the Dominican, with Dominican parents, moved back to the DR at age three. His dad was a baseball player and had just made it to the majors um, in, with the Tigers in, in 1999, um, but had a career-ending end- injury that year, so didn't actually end up playing in the majors that much. But, you know, I think when there's a dad who is that close and, and it's kind of like the brother thing that I talked about last last week with Elias Garcia and his older brother who had been like really close to making it and then like made his little brother train. Sort of same situation with dad here that he turned around and had the kid like seriously trained. But Luis was really into it. And he said, I wanted to grow up to be like my dad and play like my dad. So he was drafted. And when he came back after his his drafted year, his dad had actually built him a very simple field or like somehow made a baseball field very close to his home where he practiced in the offseason starting at that point. Um, he grew up idolizing. I thought this was like cute kismet Nelson Cruz, sure. you know, of course, this kid from the DR. And then they got to play on the same team in 2022. And so Nelson Cruz, like I didn't do the math on this. Luis, so 22, he's 23 now. So he was... 22 last year and Nelson Cruz must have been more than double his age he's probably older than his father and then playing on the same team like what a cool thing he is currently playing in Lidom on the Gigantes de Cibao and we actually saw him play in Nats Park before he was on the Nationals roster because he played on the 2018 Futures team for the world team and that was the year that the All-Star game was at Nats Park so we got to see him play when you know we didn't know who who he was he debuted in 2020, which is rare against right. the O's. So he, you know, enough that he was kept on that whatever. What was it called? The the backup. The taxi squad. Yeah, that's it. In 2020, he he became at that point the first player born in the 2000s to hit a home run, youngin that he is. So he played sort of like most of the season all those years. There was issues that came up every year. In 2020, well, 2020 he got in. 
um, late. And then 2021 and 2022 was a lot of up and down stuff. So 23 was actually mostly his um, his first mostly full season, and it wasn't complete. He was, in May, he became the third player from the Nationals to go f- six for six in a game. And, he, and it was, ironically, against the Royals, the other team that we're talking about this week. The others were um, Anthony Rendon, your f- former pick, 2017, and Rondell White in 1995. Um, so he's buddies with C.J. Abrams, sure. who was my pick from last year. So I love C.J., and he had a really, really fun year. And basically when C.J. was traded over from the Padres, he kind of hooked on to Garcia, was like, all right, you're my double play buddy, you know, and we are going to work on this together. And they ended up being really good friends. Like they they worked on the double play situation. They worked on just their chemistry, right, their rapport. And now they're buddies. And even Davey Martinez said they're inseparable. So it's awesome to watch their relationship grow the way it is, the way it has. Sorry. And CJ Abrams said, we always tell each other we're going to be great, like pumping each other up. So because I loved CJ last year and still love CJ, I just felt like that was another, you know, I'm looking for signs for guys to pick his baseball boyfriend. So that was even beyond the name. I thought that was a really good one. He did have his ups and downs in this first full full season. So in August, there was this big decision to send him back down to AAA, which he was not happy about. I mean, this is his full, mostly full season, first mostly full season up. Didn't want to go back down. But Davey basically said, you got to work this out. You know, he had a bad stretch. It was like several weeks where he wasn't getting a hit. And uh, and Rizzo, the GM, said it was a preparation assignment. So they were specifically telling him, we're, don't worry, you're coming back, but you need to work on some stuff. And Luis said, I started just kind of thinking about it and realized that it's part of the game to help me so that I can improve in certain aspects of my game. And I looked at it that way and I went down, down there to work. And it's a learning experience. And he comes back up second week in, this, in September. And he ended the season in 2023 with a 22-game streak, batting 304, five doubles, three home runs. Nice. So I really like the maturity in that because I think especially at that age, at 23, it's, you know, some guys can get very huffy. I'm getting sent back down and get angry about it and resentful. And he was in the beginning. But for him to be able to then, like, make that mental shift and say, all right, I understand they're doing this. I got to work and I'm going to put in the work and I'm going to earn my way back. So it looks like he's pretty solid for next year. And I'm hoping that that CJ Luis chemistry can continue. I want to go see him. I am absolutely sure I've seen him with the Rochester Red Wings yep. multiple times yep. over the past couple of years. I bet you. Yeah, I bet you too. My guy for the Nationals is Gregory Stone Garrett. The best pick. Like, really, if he's, I hadn't been doing the Garcia thing, such a good pick. so, so wonderful. He has the look of a Giancarlo Stanton. He's, like, not built like a baseball player. He has been confused by, like, minor league teams when he shows up as, oh, are you a new coach? He is solid. Because nobody <laughs> is solid like that if they're a baseball player. Um, he is 28. He's a left fielder. He's from Sugarland, Texas, and he's a, oh. he reminds me a tiny little bit of Joey Manessis, who was my last year's pick because of paying dues for an abnormal amount of time in the minor leagues oh, wow. before getting your call up. He was drafted by Miami in the eighth round in 2014. He had initially committed to Rice University, but when he got drafted, he signed right out of high school with Miami. His dad, his proper name is also Gregory. His nickname is rock 
because <laughs> apparently he was a tough little kid playing with the big kids when he was growing up. So he was like a rock. And both of his parents wanted to name their son after the dad. And mom was pushing for Gregory. And dad was like, well, if I'm rock, he should be stone. Sure. So they both won. And they also had a cocker spaniel at the time named <laughs> Pebbles, which now I see oh is God. not a Flintstones reference. It is, in fact, a rock and stone reference. He <laughs> spent eight years in the minor leagues and weirdly LinkedIn is the hero in the story. You ready what? for this? LinkedIn is a hero in this story. Right. So after the 2019 double-A season with Miami, Stone Garrett goes back to Houston, hangs out with his girlfriend, who's a real estate agent, and thinks, hey, this is not a bad gig. I need an off-season gig because baseball, minor league baseball, sell, wages are, are crap, mm-hmm. right? He gets his real estate license. So he got Smart. released by Miami in 2020 when there was no oh, season, God. right? And sold six houses. He got his license. He <laughs> sold six houses during that 2020 non-season and had signed up to play independent league in the next season. Like, he was like, I'm seeing myself as a baseball player doing real estate. I don't want real estate to be my thing, but I'm paying the bills with it. And I want, you know, I'll be good at it if I have to be, but there you go. He must have been good at it, though, because, like, that wasn't a time that people wanted to move. <laughs> right? Right. Like- so there's also that. And apparently there was a lot of the fact that he's super personable, Aww. which he's a, he's a clubhouse guy, right? They like him That's because awesome. of his personality, which, you know, helps mm-hmm. with real estate. <laughs> While on LinkedIn, a video coordinator with the Gulf Coast League, who he used to know in one of his many years hmm. as a minor leaguer, finds him and checks in with him. Hey, how's it going? I remember you. Do you remember me? Just like a little chat, like a little connection on LinkedIn. And Stone says, yeah, I'm doing real estate, but boy, I sure want to play baseball. Do you know any teams that are looking for outfielders? It's like, nah, I don't know, but let me check around for you. And two days later, he's got an invitation to spring training with the Diamondbacks because of this random LinkedIn exchange That's awesome. that he had, right? He was brought in at what they kind of call it, an organization guy. It's like, we got to fill out our rosters. We need a guy who's pretty good at baseball, who's going to back up the guys that were trying to move up, mm-hmm. right? The guys that were actually, um, you know, we're trading up, we're trying to groom to be major league players. He's not going to be one of those. He's going to be the organization guy, but we need good organization guys. And then, like, whenever he had got an opportunity, all of a sudden he was like, his skills were improving like crazy. So like once a week, huh. then became a couple times a week. And then it's like, okay, now you're an everyday player because there's some magic that just happened. You're not just an organization guy anymore. You are a guy that we want to groom to move up. He hits 28 home runs for Triple A Reno, right? And they say, great, we're giving you your call up. You're going to debut when we play the Giants August 17th. So you he finds this out the night before, like the night before his call to his parents, which of course you can find on social media because it's hilarious, happens after midnight, right? So it's like, you know, the wee hours of the day he's going to debut, calls his parents, I'm sorry to wake you up, but I really need my, <laughs> my insurance card, dad's mom around. He, he starts pulling this whole wool over their eyes things and says, no, 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 never mind. I'm lying. I'm getting my call up. I just wanted you to know. Aww. So haha, everything's funny. But they need to get to San Francisco from Texas by that night's That's, game. Oof. So they barely packed, right? The plane was delayed. They arrived at the ballpark after the game had started, but in time for his first at bat. <laughs> 
his dad, so they're leaving Sugarland, Texas in August. So it's a thousand degrees. Oh, So his right. dad doesn't bring a coat. They arrive in San Francisco Oof. where it's always 55 degrees. The only thing his dad can buy in the ballpark is Giants gear. Yeah. Ooh. So his dad oh, to watched his son's Arizona debut oh. while wearing a Giants hoodie. Oh. And Stone said, I'm going to fix that. And sure enough, the next day, he, in fact, had the appropriate Because yeah, the cameras must have been on him. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. They got interviewed <laughs> in the stands. It was, it was very funny. And he said, oh, I, knew, I knew he was going to do that. I knew he wasn't going to bring a jacket. I knew he wasn't going to bring his jacket. But he had, he struck out the first at bat, but then he hit two doubles in his first game. And in fact, he went four for five in his first five at bats, including three doubles. So he had a pretty darn good start. But if you're thinking about the the Diamondbacks and their outfield, you think, huh, we've got Corbin Carroll. Yeah. We've got some other guys. You're terrific, but we don't have a place to put you long term. So we're going to go ahead and DFA you in the offseason. Picked up almost immediately by the Nationals. Yay, right? Nats. You know, at the end of the 22 season. He didn't make the opening day roster for the Nets, but he got called up almost right away, like on, on April 2nd. He had 478 in his first six games. He started with a bang, right? His first Grand Slam was with the Nationals against Arizona. That's so awesome. It's got to feel good, yeah. right? Had a great season, became a fan favorite because he's so personable, yeah. right? He's so, so engaging, such a bullpen guy, always plays super hard, so everybody loves him. His in in August of this past year, he's playing. They're playing against the Yankees, and he tries to catch what ends up being a DJ LeMahieu home run. Right, he's going for it. He runs mm-hmm. smack I remember into, this. into the right field wall. His leg gets caught on the wall. Totally remember this. Horrible, horrible, crush to the ground. Yeah. Gets you know driven off the field right on on the stretcher. Yeah. Ends up having a broken left fibula. The day after that was the end of the series against the Yankees and the Nationals. Of course, dedicated that game to Stone Garrett. They won six to five, and they kind of pulled it out at the last minute and won six to five. And Davey Martinez says, "What happened yesterday with Stone, and then to come back the way we did, yeah. says a lot about these boys and what they think about their teammates." I know they really wanted to win today for their teammate. Uh, and that's something that we that really matters to us, right? Yep. That that guys play as a team, that that's important to them. That's boyfriend cred right there, even if it was about Stone and not including Stone in this yeah. case. You want to see that. You want to see that kind of clubhouse atmosphere where that's really important to everybody. So through the 89 games that he played with the Nationals, he hit 269 um, with nine home runs and 40 RBI. So he had a great season. And along the lines of he reminds me a little bit about Joey Manessas, Martinez also says he's a guy that worked his way to get to the major leagues. I'm always partial to those guys that put the work in, that worked really hard to become who he is and really tries to get better. I challenged him early on to be a better outfielder, and he's done it. I challenged him to put the ball in play more, and he's done that. Drive in more runs. Everything I've asked him to do, he went out of his way to try to get it done, and I love guys like that. And so he's recovering. And he's already back in training a little bit. It looks like he will be at spring training. He may not be opening day roster. We'll see how that goes. But he's he's. it, it looks good. It looks good, okay. at least for spring training. But he, because of the way he came up with all of those years, he says he keeps his real estate business card in his bag and he looks at it regularly. <laughs> That's so cool. Like for perspective. And he says, at one point, you weren't playing baseball in the summer and all your friends were. So don't take any day for mm. granted. So I'm really excited about Stone Garrett. 
He is really personable, and I had I had looked at him too. Um, and because he did really well against the Red Sox, he got, I, I don't remember it was the first game or the second game, but he had like three RBI. It was crazy. I'm not saying that the reasons that I picked <laughs> these guys were because of their records against the Red Sox. <laughs> it's, 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 coincidence. Well, it's, it's a coincidence on the list of, they're, they're both right. juniors, you know, they both went right from high school, even though they committed. Yeah, but yeah, sure. that might be in the back of my head somewhere. Yeah. Next week, White Sox and Cardinals. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. All right. We got something to think about. All right, this is we are, we are due for a long episode, but I am wow. sorry, I am taking a detour into Venezuela that is large, and it has to do with the Acuna family and my aforementioned boyfriend Michael Garcia. So, if you remember, very recently I referred back to last season when Daddy Acuna, Ronald Acuna Sr., or the first Ronald Acuna, was in the stands at the end of the season and giving people shit actively when he was in the stands as a visitor. You know, so it was against the Leones de Caracas, surrounded by Caracas fans, being very vocal and egging people on. Now, people ended up throwing shit at him, and that was bad, and then Ronald Acuna Jr. ended up leaving the game, and so go back to past episodes for those details. But it it just gives you a little hint into the character of Daddy Acuna, which seems to be just a little bit mm, volatile. (laughs) This time... He's defending my brand new boyfriend that I picked today, Michael Garcia, who we also just found out is his, I don't know, it's not, it's, is it nephew? Right, because they're cousins. Yes, it's his nephew. He's defending his nephew. Um, So they're playing against the Navegantes de Magallanes, and Michael Garcia hit a no-doubter, big-ass home run off of Nivaldo Apolina Rodriguez, who was a pitcher who actually was in um, the minors for a bit, and most recently last year was AAA with Detroit, but then signed for this coming season with the Mexican League, the the summer Mexican League, so he's not going to be in an MLB next year. So he's pitching right now, apparently, you know, not happy that Michael Garcia just did a very big showboating home run off of him, and according to Daddy Acuna, on an interview that Daddy Acuna did with Mer- Mer- Meridiano Television. That is his proper name, right? Yes, exactly. Daddy. So I'm just, because they're both Ronald Acuna. I understand. I figured Daddy is a little endearing. Got MJM though, Senior. Sure. Yeah, I'm a- sure. So Daddy says that after the aforementioned home run, Nivaldo threatened Michael saying that he was going to be pitching at his head in the near future. Uh, at some point, the benches cleared. Well, it was in the fifth inning, but it's unclear why the benches cleared. It could have been because of this comment. Michael had to be restrained. Uh, the the pitcher, Rodriguez, was out of the game anyway because he was done for the day, so that was convenient. So the pitch to the head never happened. However, the threat was there. But then Daddy Acuna took it upon himself to defend his nephew where else but on social media. And actually, he first did it with just a direct um, text exchange with Rodriguez. And then Rodriguez clipped photos no, of no. the text conversation and posted it so on Daddy his tried Instagram. So to keep it private, just one-on-one. It's what it seems like. So, And this is the, the interesting part, is if you look at the actual, and, I, and we have the link in here, if you look at the actual text exchange, the daddy part is in text. The Rodriguez part are voice messages. So you can't 
actually see or hear what he actually said. So what daddy is saying is this is unfair that he posted it because it's only his side of the discussion. It's only showing how I was talking to him. It doesn't show how sure. he was talking to me. But apparently the way daddy was talking to him was not very good and it involved threatening, threatening his um, physical integrity. So, you know, some, some pretty nasty stuff. Uh, so at this point the rest of the league starts getting involved because the pitcher posts this saying, I was threatened by Daddy Acuna. This is not acceptable. His team comes out and backs him out. So the Maya, the, the Navagantes have a post basically saying it's unacceptable for somebody who's a spectator to get involved with the game. And especially we to don't care threaten. Who's daddy you are. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You do not take it upon yourself to then... Um, message a player with with threats. Uh, and Daddy, at this point, does not apologize, but he does say that he's open to discussion with Rodriguez. So he came out and did a full interview. Uh, Rodriguez it didn't. He just made his statement on social media, and that was it, and his, his team pack backed him up. Everybody's waiting for the actual league to make a statement. The league finally made a statement on, in, on Instagram and basically said the same thing that the Navagante said. He, they said, what happens on the field should only involve the people who are actually playing on the field, and there should not be any threats to players. And he said also, and apparently the, the threats that he made were maybe not using the best language, and he said were entertainment directed at the entire public, including children. And the best comment that I saw in that thread, because it took a while for the league to actually say anything, but the comment was like, at first they didn't say anything, and then at the end, they didn't say anything either because they didn't do anything. They just, again, repeated that we should not be acting like this toward each other. This is a family show. And uh, Daddy Acuna clearly has a little bit of defensive anger issues. But is also, what it, looks like. it seems like Daddy Acuna did not post in the, to the public right. where children could see it. It was, in fact, Rodriguez yeah. who then shared it in public where... It affects families and kids in the family show. Although it was a nasty, like the reason why he did that is because the stuff Acuna said, and I, shit, did I write any of it down? It was really threatening. It okay. was like, I am going to come beat you up, kind of threatening. Like All it right. was threatening physical. And so, who, I don't know. There's, yeah, which is, you're right. It, which is completely out of, out of, out of bounds. It should right. not be happening. But as far as um, sharing it with the public, that was not what he did. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little huh. a little slanted there. So we'll see what happens. You know, last time um, Acuna Jr. ended up leaving, stopping playing, but they're still playing, and who knows? And I regularly put Ronald Acuna Jr. on my fantasy uh, Venezuelan team, which is really fun to play online because he is raking. He's still batting over 400, so power to him. Sure. Um, in other international news, in um, both Dominican Republic and Puerto Rican baseball, Lidom, the Dominican League, had an all-star game against the Puerto Rican League, into the, the Liga Profesional Baseball de Roberto Clemente, last, last weekend, last Sunday, and it happened in the Dominican Republic, and it was a whole big all-star kind of festival thing. Uh, the game was close. Dominican Republic walked it off after being tied up in the ninth inning. But it was overall, it seems like it was just a huge party. They had a live orchestra playing between innings. I have no idea like, yeah. how, much, how long the between inning break was. But we have several baseball boyfriends who are starring here. Uh, Vimeo Machin, who I picked, shit, was it last year or the year before for, for Oakland? He's playing for the Puerto Rican League, and he got the very first hit and scored the first run 
giving, you know, high hopes to the Puerto Rican fans that were later da dashed. But they were also managed by another Ford-born boyfriend of mine, Yadier Molina. Uh, Robinson Cano was actually playing on the Dominican League, and he's another former baseball boyfriend pick of mine. And he was the team captain, understandably, as the elder statesman just back in from Dubai. Apparently did really well, though. He had three RBI game. Nice. And managed by Carlos Gomez. So, you know, some former longtime MLB managers and a few stars in there. And it seems like it was a big party. They also brought back, because it was in the Dominican Republic, they brought back, you know, former heroes. So Pedro Martinez and David Ortiz were both there. They honored a lot of former players who were specifically on the uh, Aguilas Cibaeñas, because I think it was at their stadium. So lots of fun happening in, uh, in Dominican Republic. That just sounds like a lot of fun. I want to go. Last last international update, I had talked a couple, like several weeks ago, about um, Anna Kimbrell having a GoFundMe to get her sent to go back to Uganda. And at that time, it seemed like it was just for her. And I had talked about how she had been there before with other fellow women from the women's national baseball team. But it turns out, well, they're there now. They were there from, uh, well, by the time you hear that, they'll, they'll be on the plane back home. But December 1st through 11th. So today is the 10th. Tomorrow is their last day. When you hear this, they might be up in the air. But Anna and Meg Medlinger and Kelsey Whitmore mm. and Ashton Lansdell, who we've talked about all of them, are there. They brought equipment for the kids in Uganda. They're playing baseball. They're teaching them baseball five, which is that like international right. game yeah, yeah. that's easy to play when you don't really have a field. <laughs> but please follow them on social media because there's just beautiful pictures of them interacting with the kids, especially Kelsey Whitmore. It's so, so cute. So, yeah, just, she's a great follow. All right, a couple quick things to finish up with. One of the things that happened at the winter meetings was the draft lottery. This is a selection process for what order the draft picks will happen for the 2024 Ooh. season. This involved teams and ping pong balls, <laughs> right? So that the first six teams, okay, so they, they do the ping pong ball thing and the first six get the first six picks and then mm -hmm. the rest of them, so seven through 18, are slotted in order of the records, right? Worst okay. to best. Mm -hmm. So the top six, in this case, were the people, were the teams with the worst records, as you can tell, because they match up very nicely with our baseball boyfriend thing. <laughs> the Cleveland Guardians have never had a first, uh, never had a number one pick before. Really? So this is their first time. They are number one for the wow. lottery, followed by the Reds. So it's all Ohio, one and two. I'm just saying. <laughs> followed by the Rockies, the A's. The Rockies and the A's had the worst records, mm -hmm. but they are three and four in this in the draft, and then the White Sox, and then the Royals. Right. And then again, 7 through 18 are everybody else who did not make the postseason, right? Okay. There's 30 teams, but there's 18 don't get to the postseason. Those are the ones that are part of this. What order do you get to pick in? The O's, are they for sale? I don't know. There are rumors that Baltimore native mm. and billionaire David Rubenstein is in talks to buy the O's. Mm. David Rubenstein's name also came up as possibly putting in a bid to buy the Nationals. So clearly he's a sports fan. He's from Baltimore. Big O's fan. O's haven't been really for sale, right? The Angelos family has controlling interest at 70%. Wow. So in the past, we've talked about they might want to sell off 
part of that, hmm. but maybe rain, you know, maintain mm-hmm. majority control or some level of control. So there's nothing confirmed about this, but boy, this, this rumor spread like crazy. If it is true, it might be good news to make sure the O's stay in town, even though all, everything points to why would they leave, right? Right. But also, would a new owner be more spending on payroll, right? Could we get hmm. the O's opening day payroll over Shohei Otani's like annual <laughs> salary for next year, right? Other wow. things that are in play right now are the the lease for Orioles Park at Camden Yards runs out at the end of the calendar year. When we talked about this in September, it was like, oh, it's all done with the final signature. That's not the case anymore. Now, there are, the, the, the wrinkle in this is the team also wants development rights for the area around the stadium. And the Maryland Stadium Authority says, no, 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 that's separate. That's separate for the lease on the ballpark. So it is what, mm. December 10th? today and this lease expires on december 31st oh, wow. that's pretty soon so hopefully they get it together i if the development rights are, are 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 part of this whole deal that's a boatload of potential income there and i can't mm-hmm. see the angelos family wanting to get rid of right. that possibility anytime soon so i don't know if it's a real or not but it got a lot of traction this past week. Who knows what next week is going to bring. The only thing I know that next week is going to bring is White Sox and Cardinals Oof, boyfriends. I got to get busy. What do you have going on next week? Zero. Woo. Pretty much pretty much zero, which is good. After like the past two weekends, I think have wiped me out a little yeah. bit. So I think next week I have laundry going on. Laundry All right. is pretty much front and center. That's pretty exciting. For, for next week. And hopefully, you know, watching some more Dominican baseball. Well, be careful because I, I did uh, Friday night laundry and then I took an external four-hour nap <laughs> and I'm still trying to recover from that crazy, crazy thing that happened. Yes, we are exciting old people. <laughs> coffee so, and laundry. I'll have coffee co- with my laundry. Coffee and laundry. Then you'll yep. never sleep again. <laughs> wow. All right. So if you have ideas for future boyfriends for us we sure hope you get in touch and make your recommendations potty mouth where can our friends find us i am feeling really yucky about x twitter these days it is just it's really shitty we get all these alerts that we didn't get used to get from like people that i don't want to get alerts from i don't know but if you send us a message there i will check it and that would be ncib podcast facebook and instagram are a little bit more friendly these days which would be no crying and b-ball also, we do have a Patreon, and we are starting to put more stuff on there. Last week, we had a couple friends with us uh, recording online. That was a lot of fun. We're putting on a little bit of bonus commentary, dealer's choice on Patreon. So if you want just like a dollar a month and you get access to lots of fun with us, that's patreon.com slash ball, and you can be in on the action for very little money. We just love the community. Excellent. So um, whatever you're doing this next this next week, we hope that you are getting your booster if you haven't done that oh, yet. Shit. You're fighting the man. It's the right thing to do. You're sending your game balls to Meredith if you have them sitting around your house and haven't gotten them off to her yet. And until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. What's the percent on it? The AP, whatever it's called. I don't know. Um, the ABV is what you want. Yeah. Four um, percent.
Ah, that is oh, breakfast. No, no, no. No? 6.4%. Oh. <laughs> I started reading after the decimal point. 